This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Well, we're starting to plan because I think we're still waiting on a few things, but we know there's a vote on Monday um, and there are some testing that's going to be done around that. And then we should, we're looking at being back to training um, sort of early to mid next week. I'm not sure exactly of the day. So it's uh, been um, a job for us as staff. I've just been actually in, a, in talking with the staff there of planning how um, phase one will look because it's going to look quite different for us because of the... Uh, the restrictions on how we're going to work. And I think it's good. The players are obviously wanting to be get back training in the right conditions. We know it's uh, difficult circumstances. for. I have to say, Jamie, it's been you know, a massive learning curve, I think, for all of us in life in terms of the job because, you know, you, you, you get so focused in being out on the pitch. It's the best thing you can do, coach, try and improve every day. And then all of a sudden, something like this takes you away from the players uh, and everyone's isolated in their small bubbles. And it was like, well, now, what, what, what do we have to do here to make sure I'm communicating with the players, paying too much because they probably don't want to hear from me every other day, but am I making sure they know I'm here? Um, and then probably trying to take on the responsibility of, of, the, of the club. Chelsea's bigger than a squad of 25 players. You know, there's so many people that work at Stamford Bridge around the world for Chelsea. So I've learned a lot, you know, just myself of trying to handle what is a, obviously a strange situation. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was Chelsea's Frank Lampard saying that he has been making plans for a possible resumption of training this week. Yes, it's me, Ross. This is off the ball in lockdown still. And I've got uh, three gentlemen. Well, one of them really looks like Al-Qaeda, I'm telling you. I- I'm looking at you, Arvin, <laughs> to do with your facial overgrowth. Got to do something different at these times, man, since everyone is different and nothing makes sense anymore, sir. No, no. Uh, Des Corkill is also here. Des is at work. Des, hello. Indeed, and hopefully we get a little bit of sanity back in the world and in the world of sport, although I fear sanity is a long way away. But you never know. Uh, little, little things have started this last weekend and a couple of weeks ago in Korea. So slowly but surely, let's get back to the, the football that we love, not the, uh, not the artificial garbage that was thrown up at the weekend. <laughs> Fresh from the Friday show, Kishnan rejoins us as well. Hello, Keish. Hello, Ross. We just had a whole weekend of football, Ross. I know. I know. Yeah. It was great. Two, two full days of watching. It's, it's been superb and we're going to talk <laughs> about it all. But as usual, guys, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Let, let's start with, with the news then. We heard Frank Lampard at the start of the show saying that uh, Chelsea are probably going to get back to training this week. In fact, as we're talking now, I believe the Premier League clubs are holding their latest emergency conference uh, called Project Restart. Now, we, they need 14 clubs to agree either way. Isn't that right, Des? I believe that's how it is, but now it gets political. Now you have the clubs who are saying, hey, if we go down into relegation, we could lose hundreds of millions of, of, of pounds in revenue by, uh, by, by being relegated. So, so that my understanding, it's all second-hand reporting. Nobody really knows what's going on the, on the inside channels, but it does seem to be split between um, those who are terrified of losing that income and those who are quite happy with uh, the money that they've got and they want to make sure that they look after Sky, make sure they look after the broadcasters, make sure they keep their multi-silly, ridiculous, obscene wealth uh, coming in. So it, it, it's now, it's nothing about health anymore. It's now how to play the game and how to maximise and, and, and benefit. So uh, uh, I was always cynical about money in football. This has made me even more cynical. Mm. Anything to add to that, Arvin? 
Um, yeah, I think a lot of people feel like this is probably the, 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 the knee-jerk or the kickstart that football needs. I mean, we've seen wages go out of control. We've seen clubs for different agendas. The, the, the teams that are getting uh, are in relegation spots, obviously, are now fighting and saying, you know, uh, we don't want the neutral grounds because we believe our home form will take us through. But how much of actual home form do you have when there are no fans? You've even got the top-tier clubs right now who are saying that, we're going to lose money from sponsorships if you don't have it in our own stadiums. So everyone is out right now for their own specific agenda. I understand that today, Monday in the UK, the restart meeting is really going to be about the resumption of the league, which I understand that they're looking at June 12, June 19, gives the team about four to five weeks training from now. But there will be no decision on the neutral grounds. I would imagine that would come a bit later in the week, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I th- let, let's assume neutral grounds been kicked into touch. We, we saw Germany this weekend, and I kind of like looking at the empty stadiums. I, I, I kind of like seeing how nice the seats are arranged and all that. But, but back to England, Keish. Um, do you reckon this is, this, this is, do you agree with the guys? Is this a chance to reset the crazy money that's been in English football? I mean, are we going to see, never going to see 100 million pound players anymore, right? I think you're going to see a whole new world of not just uh, the way salaries are paid, but also the way um, transfer fees are handled, right? You're, you're already hearing rumours of, even if you look outside of England, you're already hearing rumours of Barcelona and Juventus wanting to engage in a, in a player, player trade, swap. As, opposed to, as opposed to, you know, in, involving transfer fees. And I think even in England, right, there, there's a huge concern over how long this crisis is going to last. And I think that's what's frustrating a lot of a lot of clubs, especially the ones that are in danger of relegation. Because if this crisis goes on beyond uh, the, the short amount of time that we're expecting it to be, then if you get relegated, there could be massive financial consequences for the next, you know, two, three years, or even four years. Like there, there are multiple reports from WHO even suggesting that things might not even be back to normal for as long as we don't get the vaccine, which worst case scenario could even take years if we don't get anything. And in, in situations like that, the financial consequences to a lot of these clubs, especially in the Premier League, the more you get relegated, I, I mean, obviously you have parachute payments, but even that sometimes puts you in a really precarious position if, 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 if uh, this crisis goes on beyond a certain amount of time. Mm. I think that, that's playing on the mind of these clubs significantly. Okay. My, my, my biggest concern isn't the Premier League clubs. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's the way it goes right the way down, and you are going to get yeah. whole communities throughout Europe, throughout uh, throughout where football is played, just devastated. You're gonna already we're losing at too many uh, football clubs and stadiums and grounds at grassroots level, and these clubs are not going to be sustain, sustaining themselves because they rely upon gate money. They don't rely upon television money. Your conference teams, your 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 your. your the roots of real football, the roots of community. Uh, I was delighted to hear Arsene Wenger and Gary Neville at least begin to start a conversation about that for a long time. And I've been saying this on your show for nearly a decade now, Ross. The, the, the ridiculous obscenities of Premier League money are now coming home to roost because it's all about them and this latest one of, oh, we've got to avoid relegation, whatever. It's all about them. It's never about the, the wider issue. It makes me sound like a socialist. I'm not no, really no, a socialist. No. I'm a conservative socialist. But, but you've got to remember the substructure and the infrastructure. And that is damn sight more important than Liverpool winning a Premier League. I promise you. Uh, I'm 100% behind you on, on that, Des. But, you know, with, with, with every dark 
era, something will, will come of it. You, you'll find new clubs sprouting out when, when, when in the, under the new situation. It will from happen. Where, if you're I, not I, allowed to, from where? If you're not allowed to, to, to guarantee revenue from, from uh, clubs and uh, pubs, which is what the vast majority do, or gate money, which is what the vast majority do, where's, where's this money going to come from? Where are these clubs going to come from? Pure, pure volunteerism? Don't think mm. so. Mm. Well, back to the Premier League. Now, as far as they're concerned, <laughs> it, they, they're kind of split as it is. I mean, I'm reading the likes of Troy Deeney, Glenn Murray, pleading that football not be rushed back too soon. Uh, you, you've got others who, who, who are just keen to get back to action. Steve Bruce has come out, Alvin, and said that he doesn't reckon players will be fit to resume football until at least end of June. Haven't they been keeping, yeah. keeping fit or what? You would think so with all the individual programs. I mean, it's nothing is like being out on the pitch and playing with your teammates and, and working on the coordination and working on the drills. But these are professional athletes, which even when they've been suggested that they would try and cramp down fixtures to make it a shorter period of completion of a season, these are all professional athletes that should be able to deliver that type of regime. Um, the one bit that is very concerning here is that you, at the end of the day, the money men can say what they want. The chairman can say what they want. Richard Masters, the chief executive, team, can say what they want. But there's a sense of feeling that the players' voices are not being heard as much as possible. Troy Dini, Troy Dini made, it, made it very clear. He said, it's fine. I'm going to look up to one family. I'm not putting anyone in risk. If I have to be broke, it's fine. I've been broke before. So health above everything else is important. And it's coming to a point where I feel players should have that opportunity to say whether I'm comfortable enough to go out on the pitch. And if they're not, the club should respect it. That's, that, that's my view on this. Keish? So would you stop the whole league in that situation or do you just drop those players? I'm all for, okay, guys, you don't want to play. You don't think it's the risk. It's on you. So the league goes on, but without you. So that, exactly. you're okay with that? That's fine. Yeah, okay. That's fine. But then again... You, you'd you start get, weakening clubs, right? You, you start weakening... No, you don't. So the players make themselves unavailable for selection. That's the usual process. They yeah. decide they're injured. Yeah. Uh, but then you have scenarios where you've got someone like Troy Dini who's trying to show himself to be the right role model and seeing health above everything else. And then you have a situation where at 4 a.m. Malaysian time today morning, Callum Hotso-Odoi goes out and breaks rules and meets an online model that he has met. And then you tend to wonder that there's such a disparity of the characteristics and the leadership that these players are showing, that at the end of the day, they are accountable for their own actions. They're all grown men. They should be able to decide what, what's right for them and their families. Well, um, as far as practicality goes, they, they reckon when it all comes back, uh, the Premier League have, have paid a Hong Kong company called Prenetics four million pounds for 40,000 home testing kits. So they, they're looking at frequent testing um, they, they think they're going to have extra medical support, the Premier League, when it all starts up. And obviously, all eyes would have been on Germany this weekend to see how it all progressed. Let's not get too much into that at the moment. But my, my general feeling here is when you get players voicing concerns and all that, it's not like in South Korea where they had literally zero new cases and then they announced football yeah. return. So you can understand the UK players because it's still hundreds of deaths every day, Des. Yes, but hundreds of deaths uh, of old age, old age of people. There are minuscule, tiny figures of healthy athletes 
uh, getting uh, catching this, the ca- not not dying, but even catching mm. this. And if they do, they recover. You're, you're, people say, quote the science. Look at the science figures. Look at and if you want zero risk, well, that's a crazy world. If you want acceptable risk, you look at those statistics and you think, wow, okay. If somebody were to catch coronavirus, there's a darn good chance, 99.999%, that they, nothing untoward will happen. I think those are risks are worth taking. I'm not playing, uh, but I'm, I'm, I, I saw you, you post somebody, let's, uh, uh, if, if, if people are saying take risks, go and take risks. You've got to take risks. I'd be happy to take risks. I'd be happy to play in that situation. I'm near that uh, um, vulnerable age. So come on, let's, let's, let's just get sensible. No, but that, but but that's exactly the thing, right? I think it, former Chelsea doctor Eva Canero actually came out in an interview and said that the, the fundamental problem about the situation is we think we know how the virus works. We're basing it upon the level of information that we have at the moment, and because the Premier League clubs, a lot of their thought process is so dominated by finance at the moment, they're not thinking about how, in reality, there's very little that we know about the virus and how much it could evolve. True. Um, a vast majority of the death have been people of older age, but you know younger generations and 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 people of uh, f- people of, of footballers' ages can still carry the virus, and we don't know how it manifests in your body. We don't know how it acts, how your body acts as a carrier for this particular virus. How so you it want gets zero risk from individual? No, you want no, zero I'm, I'm, risk. no, I'm 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 not saying that we've got to wait till zero risk. All I'm saying is that. There's a reason why players are feeling worried. And I think that worry needs to be respected. That concern needs to be alleviated to some extent because it's real. Because on, on one hand, while we've got individuals just looking at it purely from a point of view of numbers and saying that, okay, you've got X amount of cases, X amount of, of positive news. But on the other hand, there's also that whole world of us not knowing as much about the coronavirus, especially in a country like Britain where it's still rampant. And mm-hmm. the, like someone like Troy Deeney has a lot of point because it's not just about him. It's about the kind of exposure that he has to his family. It's about the kind of exposure that other individuals have in the stadium on a match day. It's 250 people there on a match day. And, and we, we, like, there's multiple asymptomatic cases all over the, all over the world as well. So it's, it's an unknown, uncharted territory that we're walking into. And there's bound to be concern. All I'm saying is that that concern is fair. It's valid. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on Project Restart and, and the actual meeting that they have going on today. Keep you informed. But one guy who, who probably will be super fit is Tottenham's Song Hyun Min. Because he's just returned from uh, national service. He spent three weeks with the South Korean military corps. Three weeks is a damn sight better than 21 months that he would have had to spend. <laughs> but thankfully, he won the Asian Games in 2018. So, so he's been uh, exempted. And uh, I, I was reading, apparently he's a bit of a sharp shooter, our son, Arvind. Yeah, he won Best Performance Award. I think uh, when he came to the shooting prize, I read somewhere that he had got 10 out of the 10 targets. I mean, you're looking at things like shooting and bayonet skills, chemical, biological, radiological training. So the man clearly knows how to, how to score on the on the military <laughs> side of it, just like how he does on the pitch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that would be something that you would expect out of Son. I mean, he's been such a model professional. He takes things into his stride. He learns it well. Nothing really surprises me that he's done really well in that, that aspect of his life. I think he single-handedly defeated uh, coronavirus in South Korea, and then now he's back in England. 
He's yeah. going to start with North London and work his way up. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on Son. Uh, Club Bruges have been declared Belgian champions. Now, there was only one game to go in, in Belgium. So, I guess as far as cancelling the league goes, this one's quite understandable, right, Des? Uh, yeah, if they are going to cancel the league, then you, you go on the games that you've played so far. And I think a reasonable way to do it is a points per average game. But uh, they just stopped it where it was. Um, there is no obvious solution, but it just seems to me that if a points per game per average is fair, Bruges, top of the table. I saw Simon Mignolet, he said he got a text, text opened a bottle of champagne, and, and that was his celebration. <laughs> It's very, it's very sad actually because it's a major achievement to win your national league. Yeah, and if it's being, if it, if it's actually just being celebrated with a text, I, uh, I tell you what, well, I do hope we're back soon. Exactly, and Keith, let, let's rewind to what we talked about on on Friday. I mean, the fact that France ended their league really early. Uh, now Amiens is is taking legal action against the the football league. I mean, it's not going to happen in Belgium. Um, it's more or less settled, but but. Calling your, your, your league too early seems to be a, uh, a thing to avoid, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if you're a team, you have bought into a 38-game season, right? Um, if you look at the relegation battle, for instances, right? Over the years, we've seen so many incredible battles right at the bottom that, that stretches all the way to the final game of the season. You've seen teams being able to avoid relegation by gaining a point or gaining a win in the final game of the season. You've seen late resurgences in the last five games to see a team get into European spot, yeah. to get to see a team avoid relegation. And those things, if you're cancelling the league right now, you're taking away that opportunity from teams. Teams who have subscribed to, for example, in England, a 38-game season. Mm. So if you don't provide an, 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 an amicable solution to that, then teams are just going to struggle. Uh, and, and, and if you're cancelling the season, you're taking away that opportunity for them and they have every right to contest. Like, like the guy from uh, the, the sporting director of, or the lawyer of Amiens said that we're not contesting the decision to suspend the league because obviously they're doing it with coronavirus in mind. We're contesting the, the repercussions yeah. of you cancelling the league, which means we get plunged into the lower divisions and we face the financial consequences um, of, of being relegated. Yeah. Okay, well, this is a weird one and it's going to run. Uh, we, we're going to run away for a very short break. Back right after this, talking about the Bundesliga. Worth the try. And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Captain, leader, legend. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Arvin, Des and Kish in the studio talking about the return of the Bundesliga. Yeah! Came back on Saturday. Uh, it's given us a glimpse of what the Premier League and other top leagues are, are likely to look at. Uh, let's start with how surreal everything was. Um, unlike the K-League, that there was no piped-in audio. There, there was no fan chants and all that. So you literally heard everything from the bench, you, you heard things from the pitch. Um, I'll come to you first, Kish. Yes or no on that? Nah. I, I mean, before the leagues restarted, I've, I've always felt that, okay, maybe artificial crowd noise would be a bit too much. But having watched the K-League, and especially on, on Saturday when in the afternoon I watched uh, Daegu versus Pohang Steelers first before watching 
uh, Dortmund and Schalke at night. And in Daegu versus Pohang Steelers, it was incredible because the crowd noises were pumped in strategically at different moments of the match, uh, depending on what's happening on the pitch. So when you had corner kicks, you, you've got crowd, the, the actual crowd noises of what the fans would chant, uh, chant when their team gets a corner kick, right? And then when, 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 when Pohang had the ball, the, the, the guy who was handling the audio was playing booze. Then you've got... You know, so he was so strategic in not just playing a generic crowd noise, he was picking um, different parts of the crowd noise to inject in different moments of the match depending on the outcome. And that, for me at least, amplified the experience of watching it on the TV. And if mm. it's pumped through the loudspeakers, I'm, I'm imagining the players enjoy it too. I'd like to think that uh, Bundesliga didn't use that at all. Uh, but I suspect they might start considering it because I, I don't think a lot of people, especially if you judge um, reaction on Twitter, enjoyed uh, the fact that you could listen to, to uh, coaches shouting on the touchlines and water bottles falling down on the side of the pitch. I definitely prefer the artificial crowd noise. Okay, well, well, that's one point of view. Des, what, what do you say to that? Do you like the purity of coaches shouting and swearing at their players? Indeed. Thank heavens we don't listen to uh, Twitter for our reactions uh, on how things happen. So, so the, the Korean stuff, to me, I've been doing a lot of e-racing uh, commentary during the, during the lockdown, and you get these artificial noise, and it's beautifully done. It's, it's wonderfully done, but it's false. <laughs> it's made up noises. So it's nothing to do with real football. Football is always 11 by 11. If you can get big crowds, even better. But it's 11 versus 11. Part of the beauty of football is the audio. You can hear the ball hit the back of the net. As it drops down, it's the most beautiful sound you can possibly get. And so football has sounds which are gorgeous in its own right. The thump of the ball, the cane, the clatter of, 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 um, of man on man. It's terrific noises in its own right. Okay, when you go into the top level, there's 40, 50,000 people. Wonderful. You get these amplified crowd noises. But I tell you what, of the, bil- of the billions of people who play football, the vast majority are used to that kind of thump of the ball. They're used to hearing it. It's a real noise. It may not be that there's not 50,000 there. That will come back, but it's proper. It's human. It's engaging. It's real. It's not artificial. Tell you what, though, I want the audio guy who does the, uh, the stuff. I, I, I listened to the one he did, and his audio work was terrific. But that's yeah. nothing, nothing, nothing to do with football. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> well, as far as the Germans were concerned, um, all, all the regulations in place, I, I, I guess, is, is the way for others to follow. They, for example, they had 213 people allowed into the ground, 98 on and around the pitch. That includes players, coaches, ball boys. They had 115 in the stands. That included security, medics, media. Um, for example, in the Dortmund game, there were four ball boys. Apparently, they had balls littered around the ground. But can you imagine, Arvin? If, if, if it goes into row Z, it'll be a while before it comes back, right? Yeah, that's what the commentator made mention as well, that you won't have that, 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 that scenario where the fans throw it, throw it back. But it's quite interesting. I mean, you've got a, sit, a scene where substitutes are sitting apart from each other. I know, it's really surreal. Yeah, yeah. In the, the, the Dortmund and, and Schalke substitutes, they're all sitting about two or three seats in between each other. Okay, fine, substitutes are doing that. But then on the pitch on corner kicks, you've got everyone hustling and bustling. There's sweat dropping on each other. So 
there's a bit of a bit of disparity here what you're trying to do uh but it is what it is i mean the, the limitations the number of people in the stadium needed to be there uh no handshakes even though um, there were a couple of goal celebrations where teams broke those 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 rules over the weekend so i mean it is what it is for what it's there but the german league has come out and said very clearly what they are on they are on a weekly probation right now the games yeah. have finished let's look at there's anything that's come out of the games and then they go to the next round so it's really a very um step by step resumption of the league which so far they've done okay and that touch wood nothing nothing unforeseen happens to this yeah <clears throat> as you expect germans the way germans do things uh, on field action it started at 9:30 saturday evening our time and it was dortmund for schalke nil it took erling braut haaland what 29 minutes to to register his 10th of the season remember he only joined from salzburg in january um dortmund i i thought as as far as football play goes dortmund kept the intensity it was a derby schalke just didn't show up for that one keith yeah i thought dortmund completely dominated it um the first 15 minutes or so a uh, first 10 15 minutes was a bit cagey you could see that both teams were just trying to get their rhythm sorted out it, it was a strange way to play such an important fixture in in, in german football uh but but once uh, borussia dortmund got into their stripes they were completely dominant and i i thoroughly enjoyed the performance of julian brand i mean i yeah. think part of why why we love football is just watching players like you know get into the little pockets of space and influence play with his with his sheer vision and i mean i i i've been watching julian brand at, uh, even before he went into dortmund and and, and you know, over the last few months uh, since he joined dortmund in the summer transfer window and i just have this feeling that in the when you play football behind closed doors there are bound to be players who significantly benefit from playing without pressure from the crowd where they can just think with yeah, clarity with that's, that's a great point actually and i'd like to think that julian brand is someone like that because the the level of freedom the level of just creativity that he oozed with on the pitch like he was just a class above everyone else in the pitch um during the Dortmund Schalke game i tell you what apart from Julian Brandt um i thought Torgan Hazard had a super game he was drafted in cuz i was looking for apparently Gio Reyna at 17 was supposed to be given his debut at the, at the game he pulled up with with a with an injury in 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 the warm up Torgan Hazard it does Can anyone tell me is he the older or younger Hazard? He's the younger Hazard. Is but, he? Yeah, his class. Yeah, he's the younger Hazard, but his class. I mean, he's he's come from Borussia Mönchengladbach. He is he's really taken on that mantle of that creative fulcrum for Borussia Dortmund. And the one bit is that we always compare Dortmund to Bayern and and the, the team strengths. Of course, Bayern has got experience of winning the league year on year, but this Dortmund squad on the day on Saturday they were a strong squad on the pitch but they were still missing the likes of Jadon Sancho that didn't yeah. start Marcus wasn't there Witzel wasn't there Emre Can wasn't there they've got a strong strong squad and then of course with Haaland up front but Dogan Hazard I thought was great on one flank Rafael Guerrero was great yeah. on the other uh, yeah and they they just completely deserved that there was no more 4-4-0 comeback from Schalke like from a couple of years ago Des, as a spectacle, what did you think the Dortmund Schalke game uh, showed us? Well, firstly, isn't it beautiful to be talking about football, about <laughs> the game itself? Two months we've not been able to talk about the player being good or player being this. The, the player who really impressed me. I thought Dortmund took this seriously. 
I yep. think 11 on 11, I, th- I think Keisha's made a terrific point there about some players thriving without a 60,000 crowd there. And uh, Brandt is probably one of those uh, who did that. But Haaland seems to thrive whether there's one person there or 80,000 <laughs> there. I think this fella, uh, you know, there was a lot of hype and he believes in himself. Um, and I think this fella is the real deal. The coolness of his finish for, what is he? He's still a teenager, isn't he? Yeah, uh, the 19. His finish is... Is, is, was, was really, really mature. Um, in, in a game against Schalke, take the fans away at Schalke. It's Schalke Dortmund. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest games in Germany. Yeah. And uh, uh, it, it, it was terrific. As a, as a spectacle, okay, there were no fans there, but the players played with intensity. That was a great word again. I think it's Keisha used it. Um, the players played with intensity as they should because, okay, there's no fans there. But there were millions watching on television. It's still a spectacle. There's still an awful lot of care and attention and effort gone into making this a public event. So uh, the, the games might go without fans. I wish there were fans. It'd make it more intense. But as a spectacle, I thought the players took it seriously. The match itself was competitive, certainly for the first 15 minutes. And then Dortmund were really very, very good. They're a good team. But uh, we've said that about many Dortmund teams in the past. And they've, they've fallen over towards the end of the season. Right, brilliant stuff. Another very short break. We will be back with more Bundesliga talk right after this. Because whilst he's there, it's very difficult for other clubs to get near them. He's that good. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. England's highest quality title race of all time. But coming out on top again in the Premier League, Manchester City. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Off the ball in lockdown with me, Ross, along with Des Corkill, Arvin Sidhu and Kishanen. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Now, the Bundesliga returned at the weekend and we, we spoke about Dortmund's win in the derby over Schalke. Now, one team who had, I say had, title aspirations uh, going into this this return weekend was RB Leipzig. They were facing Freiburg at home. Now, if you watch this game, obviously, I saw the highlights and they pummeled the Leipzig goal without actually scoring. It was 1-1 in the end. Uh, Points dropped for the the Chasers. Leipzig are, are not best loved anyway, are they, Keish? Yeah, they're not the most popular club in Germany. Um, I doubt they ever will be. Uh, and, and it's, for many, especially for a lot of fans at the moment, it's a reflection of, of the state of football in Germany. Because on what, like, essentially, a lot of the active fan groups in Germany are opposed to Bundesliga restarting. Um, and, and you saw multiple protest banner outside the stadium, some of them in the stadiums as well, over the weekend when Bundesliga resumed. To them, the league should only resume when it's safe for fans to return to the stadium. So in many ways, for them to see the league resuming without fans, for them to see a team like um, uh, like RB Leipzig contesting is exactly what they don't want, to see football succumbing to financial interests. But for RB Le- for, for Red Bull Leipzig, I mean, they, they've dropped off the pace, not just in this fixture, but but uh, e- even before the MCO started as well. Because early on in the season, they had, they, went, they, had this, they went on this rampage mode where they were just completely dominating at the top but they, they, they've, they've dropped off the pace a little bit and sometimes you just can't help but wonder if it's down to a lot of the rumours that are ongoing at the moment there, there's a couple of them that are huge one of which is obviously linking Timo Werner to Liverpool Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talk around whether he's going to leave this summer 
whether he's, he's going to stay one extra season and you wonder if that's playing on everyone's mind. But then again, even Julian Nagelsmann, he's being linked with AC Milan. Yeah. Where Ralph uh, Rangsnick is, is on the verge of becoming the technical director, apparently. Uh, and, and if he does become, then Nagelsmann is their number one candidate to, to be the manager. So there's a lot of rumours around, um, not just players at the club, but also even, even the head coach. And you wonder if that's taking a toll because they're, they're, they're dropping off the pace. And you look at teams like Munchen Gladbach, for slowly building momentum, and it seems like uh, it won't be too long before Leipzig just completely drop off. Mm. Well, what are your thoughts on on Leipzig, Tez? Um, I, I know you're, you're part socialist, actually quite a lot socialist. <laughs> I mean, a fizzy drink taking over a town and their football club. It, it, I think it's the way that they've done it is, is rather stuck in the craw a little bit. But you want a good, strong football club in Leipzig. I think calling yourself RB Leipzig is uh, pushing it a little <laughs> bit, but it's, it's, it's where they are. Uh, I think it's rather ironic that uh, Bayern Munich are the main protesters about Leipzig's commercial, uh, uh, commercial <laughs> thing. But, um, but it, it does go a little bit against it. However, it, it was a great point again. Keisha making very good points today. Um, he uh, often does. We, that's about, why we pay him the big money. <laughs> but it's, it's where you're talking about um, uh, clubs being put off uh, kilter by uh, rumours surrounding uh, coaches and your star players, etc. Um, Bayern Munich are used to that. They love that chaos. Leipzig are a relatively new club. They came rollicking up the, up the leagues. And so they're not really used to this kind of... Uh, upset to their rhythm. They're not an established club yet. I think give it another 10 years, if they stay there and if RB, uh, Red Bull stay there, I'm allowed to say Red Bull, if they stay there supporting them, then they'll be more accepted. But at the moment, they are the new kids on the block. They are the uh, the Milton Keynes Dons of German football <laughs> in, in, in what they stand for. So I give it another 10 years and I think they'll, uh, if they prove themselves to be long stays and good for German football and anyone to compete at the top is, is a good thing. So long as they do it legally and reasonably, um, and I think it's, it's not all a bad thing. At the moment, I'm sitting on the fence, which is rare. Uh, I hope Leipzig continue to um, be competitive in German football. Well, this is it. From a football point of view, me as a fan, I, I think they're very forward-thinking. They have a, an excellent scouting system. Uh, do you know what I mean? Uh, and and you, you can't knock that. that. That's the makings of a great football club. Anyway, more on Leipzig, I'm sure, in the future. Let's talk about a club who was... A German super club in the 70s, Arvin. Borussia Mönchengladbach, you won't remember. You would have been an idea in your dad's head at the time, probably. 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 But, <laughs> but they, they were good this weekend. Um, Alessane Plea and Marcus Turam, son of Lillian, uh, scored for them. They, they were good value for the 3-1 win over Frankfurt. Frankfurt were quite awful. Yeah, uh, I watched this game and it was, it was a really exciting game because it starts off with Alessandra Pierre, like you mentioned, scoring within, I think, the first 90 seconds. Or the first was it was minutes. it a cross or a goal or a shot? I, I think it was a cross. He mentioned it was a cross, but somehow <laughs> he managed to guide it to the net. But the thing is, Alessandra Pierre and Marcus Turam are there, but there's another very important component of that squad, and that's Brian Bolo. Brian Bolo is, is the third person in that attacking front, and they just run at you. I think when watching Marcus Turam, no one could get the ball off him last night. He's so strong and he's almost impossible to push off the ball. So on one side, you've got Gladbach with three very, very enterprising attackers. And then you've got Frankfurt on the other side, who used to have very good attackers in Luka Jovic, Sebastian Haller, Ante Rebic. 
and they've replaced those three with bus stops. So you knew that there was only going to be one way that mm. game was going to go. Yeah. With Gladbach getting the goals and Frankfurt, on the other hand, struggling like they did. But it was a very, very exciting game. Another another good advert for Bundesliga, which puts up very exciting football. Now, for, for all, all the games we've spoken about so far, social distancing was was adhered to, especially when they scored, it was like elbow bumps with people. But I want to mention the Hertha Berlin game, Hoffenheim nil, Hertha Berlin 3, because when the goal went in, there was a bundle. There was at least five of them jumping on each other. <laughs> no, they've come on now. Dendrik Boyata has come on. Uh, there's photos of him kissing Marco Gruich on the cheek. So that's something which is an absolute no at this time. But, but, but Hertha Berlin being just... Let, let, okay, let me bring Des in here. Des, that it's, was just pure it's, emotion. You can't control it is, that. It's, it's a human reaction. I mean, uh, in my day, you used to shake hands. Even that's yeah. fun these days, for heaven's sake. But, um, but it's a, a human reaction to, to get excited to, to go and hug. Um, uh, okay, if, 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 if you're not allowed to do it, well, I tell you what, we're changing humanity. You're going to turn people into robots. And if that's what this is all about, then great. But like, give me human reaction anytime. I prefer a handshake. But hey, no, but can I introduce um, one thing? I thought we'd lost VAR. I thought we got rid of it. <laughs> I didn't realize it was coming. I in. was there and you then go. Suddenly, I'm watching the highlight show, Oldsburg versus Wolfsburg, and VAR. <laughs> raises its incredibly ugly head once again. Sadly, it was a correct decision, but that's not the point. Yeah, um, well, it I, was I just correct. thought we'd, we wanted to get hu- humans involved in the game, which involves frailties and mistakes and things that might go wrong and emotion and touching and passion. There, that, that's the things that football's about. If we're losing all of them, I tell you what, we are losing so much. Get rid of VAR. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Des on that one. VAR coming back was, the guy was literally an armpit hair off. Um, a, a, a few words about the Sunday game, Keish. Uh, the leaders, the champions, Bayern, um, they, were, they didn't really look in, in top gear, but it, it was enough to beat Union Berlin 2-0. Yeah, it was enough. Um, honestly, I was, it was frustrating to see this fixture take place behind uh, closed doors because... This is one of those games that had it happen um, in front of a packed crowd. You know, Union Berlin could have they scraped their way through matches when they play at home. It's an incredible atmosphere. It, it, honestly, for anyone who hasn't watched the Bundesliga or is watching the Bundesliga for the first time, Union Berlin is your choice of someone to support, of a team to support. They, they, they're the romantics choice. It's, it's still so fan-oriented. It's still so fan-based. Um, and they've got an incredible atmosphere every single time they play at home. And this is one of those fixtures that you would have loved to watch uh, with, with a packed uh, stadium because yeah. um, you could have seen Union uh, scraping their way through. But 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 you're right. I mean, Bayern Munich didn't even need to kick into full gear. I thought they were just relatively comfortable for much of the game. Um, it, they completely dominated possession. I think they had over 60%, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and, and they just created more chances as well. It's not to say that Union Berlin did not cause trouble. Um, they they had moments where they did create their fair share of chances as well. But in the end, um, in, in when it comes to games like this without the crowd, it always just boils down to quality on paper. And that's what um, that's exactly what's not fun about it. Because now it just comes down to everything that you have on the paper. When before this, you had uh, things like the crowd to sort of level the playing field. But now teams like Union Berlin don't have the li- that, that particular liberty. So let's go into the break with, with this then. Um, 
Do you think football should only come back when crowds are allowed in the stadium? Yes or no? Des Corkill. I'm just delighted football is back. I think crowds should be allowed anyway, but I'm a lone voice in that. But so long as football's back, we've got things to talk about. Um, and so long as we don't forget the lower leagues. I'm really cheesed off that the lower leagues aren't being spoken about. They're being thrown away. Their seasons are being decimated and we're just concentrating on, on the top boys. So I'm glad the, the big boys are back, but I wish the lower leagues could come back as well. All right. Short break. Final break. Back with K-League, Malaysian football and more. Build a mentality in that dressing room that's powerful, strong, made them feel like they're unbeatable. What a coach. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. The serial winner has got another trophy for the cabinet. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Off the ball in lockdown with Arvin, Keish and uh, Des Corkill. Um, German football, uh, we actually didn't mention the, uh, the, the best game on Sunday, which was the 2-2 the draw, wasn't it, Arvin? Yeah, I did. Uh, Colin takes a lead and then Mines come and catch yeah, back. Two that was exciting. Yeah, it was, it was a good comeback by Mines. I, I looked at that game uh, a little bit. Uh, but Colon with, with Mark Wood up front, it was really nice to see a, a local boy, a local boy that belongs to Colon, that feels the club. Just like how Lucas Podolski used to feel about Cologne. Mark Uth is there. He was involved in things. He was linking up play. I, I felt Cologne let Mines come back into that game, but Mines have got some strong players, got some fast, speedy players, and that second goal, oh, what an equaliser. So it was another exciting one. You can't keep stop saying that about the German league. You very seldom say there's any dour 0-0 games. Even if they are, they, 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 they things to talk about. Next weekend in Germany, it's the Berlin Derby. It's Hertha against Union. You've got Borussia Mönchengladbach against Bayer Leverkusen. Wolfsburg at home to Dortmund. Uh, Bayern Munich are hosting Eintracht Frankfurt. We'll cover that in full for you. Uh, but as far as the K-League is concerned, let's go to our go-to guy. <laughs> the yes, Kish, I'm looking at you. Um, what <laughs> happened in round two? I, I know... Uh, Suwon lost again. Uh, Jungbook yeah. won again. So they, they, it's all going as planned, is it? No, it, the, the Suwon Alton Hyundai game was an exceptional game of football. Uh, five goals. Uh, Alton Hyundai were down. Um, bear in mind that this was refreshing for me because for once I was watching a team that I had picked as my team, and they were they they, they were doing really well. Because before the K League restarted, I'd been watching the Belarusian league, and the team that I had picked, they just rooted right at the bottom of the table. They just lost every single game I watched. And now to see Alton Hyundai doing really well is exceptionally refreshing. And uh, th there was a really good goal. I think the first goal of the game from Suwon, uh, Samsung Blue Wings, it was fantastic strike from outside the box. Um, and But the way Alton Hyundai responded, um, obviously they had an easier fixture in match day one. They played the military team. Uh, Sangju Sangmu and they and they won four 0 That was a big result. Um, but coming into Suwon, they knew that this this was this was the one. This was the real start this season. But just the way they responded, and more importantly, the way Junior Negrao, their striker, you've got to watch this guy because he holds the ball up really well. But he also has this extra burst of pace to take him past defenders. He's an exceptional finisher. And if you understand the context of what's happening at at Ulsan Hyundai. Uh, they've lost uh, their playmaker, uh, which was on loan from uh, Manchester City. It's this little American guy called Mix Discord. They lost him for this season. 
but they brought in a new striker from not from Norway. I think it's Bjorn something. And there was a lot of pressure on Junior Negral when they signed his new striker because uh, you know, there was a chance that he could be replaced in the starting eleven. But next thing you know, this guy just starts the season on an incredible form and he's got two braces now in two games um, and it bodes really well for Olsen Hyundai. They are the team to watch in the K-League this season. You've got to watch them. It's real, real fun, honestly. So, well, so please, you're a glory hunter, huh? Once again, chasing Olsen, Olsen, top of the come league. On, come <laughs> on, Des. I've had to live with Pera for half my life. <laughs> so, so, so we first saw Olsen against Perak last year in the uh, AFC Champions League. I'm yeah. looking to follow some of these clubs in the AFC Champions League. And uh, you're quite right, Nick Stiskerud was, was probably the, the key player there. But the winner they got against Suwon, who played Johor Darrell Taksim in the AFC Champions League earlier this year, Johor beat them. Um, Junior Nagao, he's been, he's been given the, it, it's a deflection off a free kick that's gone into the far corner. And the commentator has said, oh, the goalkeeper's dived the wrong way and it's a deflection that's about 10 yards uh, and deflected <laughs> the ball 10 yards. So Junior's getting a, a little bit of luck. Um, Suwon, I'm not the biggest fan of because they're dour. The Jombuk Motors won again. Jombuk are the Bayern Munich of Korean yeah. football. Everyone plays. Jombuk score a last-minute poxy winner and win again. Uh, probably illegally, probably doing something uh, dodgy. Um, but John Buck won again against Busan High Park. And so, Ulsan, Ulsan, top of the league for Kish, but John Buck are chasing you. You know how that ends, Kishan. Yeah, I'm going to tell Des Corker to stop buttering things up and actually say what he means one of these days. <laughs> do, do you follow the K League at all, Arvid? And have you got a favorite team? No, I mean, I watched a little bit of some of the highlights online. Uh, I thought Jernbook was, I, I, they won 2-1, I believe, against uh, Busan I Park. Yeah. So I thought that was yeah. quite yeah. nice to look at, at some of the goals. And surprisingly, they had they had a Dutch-born South African international. I thought his goal was quite nice, last Weldwick. I, I, I watch it from time to time from a highlights perspective. But unlike Keisha, I don't have a team that I would support in, in the league. So, yeah, it's just mainly from highlights. But it's good. Uh, German league there, Korean league there. That's hopefully in a couple of weeks, we can speak over a couple more leagues as well. Yeah, brilliant stuff. So, um, what's happening with, with the Malaysian league then, Des Corkill? Um, Raya's coming up, so I expect nothing will, will happen before that. But are, are teams back in training? What's the situation there? Uh, you're hearing the one. I mean, the teams have never been out of training and of, of a sort. Uh, I've been following, actually, Kedda, uh, Ideal Sharon, what he's been up, uh, telling his players to do remotely. But you're not there, so you're not sure if they're following it strictly. Um, but the, the official version at the moment is that September is likely to be the time where the league will come back. Uh, likely to be a shortened league, um, just one round, so seven more matches to play. And then there will be a shortened knockout Malaysia Cup in October because there's international dates, some important international dates coming at the start of October. So we are very hopeful at this stage and we are planning towards this September comeback. Obviously, we're utterly dependent upon what the governments decide. And uh, my bosses at MFL and the FAM are, uh, are, are very keen. OK, we've got plans in place. We've got option A, option B, option C. But only once the official verdict comes in are we able to act. But at the moment, we are looking at a September and October shortened league and Malaysia Cup coming back. And that could be interesting because um, it's a sprint. It's a seven-match sprint. Johor are at the top of the league and have won four out of four, but they played all the easy teams so far. So their running would be a lot more difficult than others. Plus, it, effectively, the teams will have had, their, had to go through another pre-season. Um, 
So it, 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 it might not be an open and shut case that you hold it too well. There's still opportunities for other teams to come in. I'm getting good feedback. Uh, I, I was reading a really good piece from Kenny Palraj, who, who was saying he's, he's looking to get back. He's staying fit. Uh, Perak are, are really up for this. Mehmet Djurakovic was also saying Perak are up for this. And they just want to get back playing football, as I think mm. we all do. Mm. And then, Kish, may, maybe when all restarts again in Malaysia, Perak might be good, you know? Oh, well, certainly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in some ways, um, a compressed uh, version of the league boards well for Pera as well. Exactly. They, you know, it, it'll all be compressed. Um, and as Des pointed out, I think JDT have got some difficult fixtures coming up. Um, and, and this offers an opportunity for, for a team like Pera. Honestly, given that this season, um, you, you, you might get the FA Cup getting scraped away, which means that the top two positions... Uh, will qualify for Asian competitions. Um, I'm honestly, you know, even if we don't win the league, I just want Pera to be back in Asia again. Um, and so I'm just looking forward to that. I think we have the squad to do it. Uh, and I think the compressed version of the league puts us in a pretty decent position with a pretty decent squad to be able to achieve that feat. And it'll be great um, to, to watch Pera in, 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 compete in Asia all over again next year. Arvin, if, what's if the Leeds United equivalent in the, in the MSL? Oh, my, my Leeds United equivalent would be Johor because that's where I'm born. So, oh, oh so, so they're, they're your team. Glory, glory hunter. No, I'm born in Johor. I'm born in Johor. It's different. I'm actually born in Johor. So, I would, yeah, but either Johor or Negri because my whole life I've, I've lived in Negri, but I was born in Johor. Brilliant stuff. Listen, we're, we're, we're praying that football returns in its entirety, in its purest form, as soon as humanly possible. For now, I'm, I'm going to thank these gentlemen who have given up a, a, a lot of their time this evening to talk to us. Many thanks, Des Corkill. My pleasure. Just keep the crowd noises, artificial crowd noises out of football, please. <laughs> and many thanks, Kishnan. Cheers, Ross. Stay safe, everyone. And keep... And- Please keep the artificial noises. I love it. Absolutely love it. And Arvin. (laughs) Take care, everyone, and just keep more live games on TV. That's all my ask is for. (laughs) Brilliant stuff. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Off the Ball, every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.